welcome to the Still Worthy Podcast, the safe and empowering haven for people like you and me, single, child-free women looking to embrace our unique path, celebrate our freedom and independence, and live our best, happiest, most fearless, fulfilling, and kick-ass life. I'm your host and sister friend, Sanja Lioness Mackey, here to guide you on this incredible journey that redefines womanhood and acknowledges your worth, irrespective of your marital and family status. Let's get this party started. Hello, hello, and welcome to another day in the life of a still worthy woman. That's us single, child-free women who are out there living our best, happiest, most fearless, fulfilling, and kick-ass lives. Or trying to anyway, because we are still human, which means we are imperfect by nature. We also live in an imperfect world with imperfect people all around us. So that means every day we are striving to live our best life and become the best version of ourselves. But sometimes we will make mistakes. I talked about one I made in the last episode on closure, where I went against my personal dating mantra and gave an ex a second chance only for him to prove that I should have believed who he was the first time around. It was a painful lesson, but we all have those, right? So in this podcast, we're not going to act like life is always hunky-dory and every day is like being at Disney World, the happiest place on earth. We're going to keep it real because I feel that in the midst of that is where we can experience our truest and greatest life lessons. Okay, so before we jump into today's topic, I want to say a few things. First of all, Author, investor, serial entrepreneur, and business mogul Alex Hermosi said that to be a 1% podcaster, you have to upload 21 podcasts. So I'm giving myself a pat on the back because this episode that you are listening to right this very minute is episode 21. I have officially made it to the top 1% of podcasters. And let me say that it is not easy. There's a lot of work that goes into creating even a 15 or 20 minute episode every week. So come on over to Facebook or Instagram and give your girl a pat on the back. Okay. Secondly, I am hosting another masterclass on the secrets of purpose. This coming Sunday, December 10th from 2 to 3.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you want to understand more about life purpose, if you're ready to start living your life purpose, to not just make money, but to make a difference and an impact in the world, if you're ready to use your gifts and talents to serve your heart and soul people, if you are ready to step into your divine assignment, this class is the first step. The investment is only $97, which is a small price to pay when we're talking about something that will give you more joy more impact, more meaning, more significance, and more fulfillment in your life. Don't be that woman still trying to figure it out six months or one year from now when I am giving you the opportunity to start working on your purpose now. Take action to change your life because if you keep doing what you've been doing, you will keep getting what you've been getting. Nothing changes if nothing changes. You can sign up for the class at www.stillworthywomen.com or you can message me on Facebook or Instagram and I will send you the link. Okay, before I jump into today's topic, make sure that you are following at Stillworthy Women on Instagram. 
If you love positivity and empowerment, messages of self-love and self-worth, and topics, conversations, and even memes related to being single, child-free women, you definitely want to be following that page. So today's topic is called, When Helping You Is Hurting Me. And I'm going to preface this conversation by saying it may get a bit emotional for me because this is a situation I am currently in. It is something I am still navigating my way through and out of. So I have to tee it up and set the scene. So bear with me as I do that. Amongst my three siblings, I am the oldest. And it's been statistically proven that parents raise children differently based on their birth order. The first is the one where they have the highest standards because, you know, they're parents for the first time. They want to get everything right. They don't want to do anything to hurt or damage the child, God forbid, to kill the child. So the reins are tighter with that first child. By the time any other children come along, and I believe with each successive child, they are loosening up those reins. They let those kids do anything and get away with everything. So at least that's my opinion. So studies show that eldest siblings tend to be leaders, hardworking, more responsible, more reliable, more conscientious, etc. But when you're a daughter, it's like a double whammy. You're the oldest and you're a girl who becomes a woman. So there's the nurturing aspect that is automatically assigned to us simply because of our gender. And I think that extrapolates into expectations around caretaking and being there for the family that are different for eldest daughters versus, say, younger daughters or sons of any birth order. My mom was an eldest daughter out of 12 siblings. And all she talked about growing up was how she started cooking for the family at 13, how she had to help take care of her younger siblings. You know, as the oldest girl, she was like a second mother in her family to her siblings, even while she was still a child herself. And even today, I see her assuming that role in her family, especially now that both my grandparents, her parents have passed on. She's the eldest daughter. She's like the matriarch to her siblings now that my grandmother is gone. She's like the emotional glue that helps to hold the family together. Now, think about being a single child-free woman who is also the eldest daughter. Girl, do you see where I'm going with this? Right? Do you see? Now, whether the expectation to be the responsible, reliable, caring sibling who helps look after others, especially parents as they get older, who keeps the family together, etc., is real, as in actually said and expected, or self-inflicted, Meaning you're a kind, generous person, so the desire to help others is just your MO. It's just who you are. In either case, when combined with being a single child-free woman, it can leave us in a position where our helping others and being everything to everyone else is actually hurting us. And I don't think it's too far-fetched to say it might even be killing us. So let me give you two personal examples from my own life. Nine years ago, my sister and her husband were pregnant with their fifth child. While they were at the hospital, my parents were watching their four kids age five to 14. Because I worked remote, I was able to drive from Houston, Texas, where I lived, to Louisiana, Lake Charles, Louisiana, where they lived, about a two and a half hour drive, and help my parents to watch after my sister's four kids. 
So my mom and I took point primarily with my dad helping with the school runs, but not much else because he's old school from the generation where men didn't really do cooking, cleaning, helping with kids. But that's another story I will get to some other day, girl, for sure. Okay. But mom and I took point. So my sister got out of the hospital on a Friday and I headed back home to my house in Houston that same day because I was leaving for vacation the following week. Early Monday morning after the weekend passed, my mom called me and said they had rushed my sister back to the hospital with severe hemorrhaging. Her husband was obviously at the hospital with her. And guess where all those kids were? With my parents. Only now they didn't just have four kids. They had five with the newborn. So I immediately left work and went home because that particular day I had gone into the office to take care of some things. I packed up some clothes and I drove back to Louisiana. Now, I told my mom, hey, I cannot stay long. I have a flight to New York on Wednesday because I had prior plans to join a group of friends there for an annual get together. But by the time Wednesday rolled around, I was like, I can't leave my parents, primarily my mother, here to take care of five kids on their own. My sister was still hemorrhaging. They were still trying to figure out what was going on. And she was not coming home in the next day or so. And even when she was released from the hospital, she probably wouldn't be in a position to care for five kids, including a newborn who would need to be picked up and held pretty much around the clock. So I canceled my trip and I ended up staying two weeks. Girl, yes, a couple of days turned into a couple of weeks. And while my sister was having the hysterectomy that they ultimately recommended for her to have, they actually ended up losing their apartment due to an administrative mix up. And they all ended up moving in with my parents after she got out of the hospital. So my parents' house went from just the two of them to 10 people. Okay, three extra adults and five kids with me included temporarily as I stayed to help out. Now, during that time that my sister was in the hospital, you know, as they tried to stem the hemorrhaging, find out what was going on, where it was coming from, all that sort of thing, I felt like I had been thrust into a nightmare. The runs to two different schools in the mornings, during which the five-year-old boy would have a meltdown every single day. I mean, we had to drag him kicking and screaming from the car into the school. The afternoon pickup when I'd be like, wait, It's time to go get them already. I just dropped them off, making sure that they all took their bath, that they did their homework every night. Uh, Mom was on point with the cooking. I was doing loads of laundry every day. Oh, my God. I remember asking the 14 year old one morning, do y'all go through this every day? Like I had this shocked. How the hell do you do it tone? Because after only a few days, girl, I was wiped out. I was ready to get back to my single, child-free life and my calm, clean, quiet, relaxing house back in Houston. But for two weeks, my parents and I helped hold things together for my sister and her family. And, And even after that, because after I went home, you know, to go back to Houston, they still were living with my parents because she had had a hysterectomy. She was not able to be on her own taking care of her family. So they ended up staying there for two months, two months. Okay. Now, another just a brief example. During COVID, I stayed with my parents who both had underlying conditions. My mom was so afraid of going out in public and being around people. So I was the one who went to the grocery store. 
I was the one who picked up prescriptions. I was the one who ran whatever errands needed to be run so that my parents could stay home and out of the public fray. My brother lived an hour away. He had a family and he worked at the hospital as a nurse anesthetist, so he couldn't do it. And my sister lived two and a half hours away with her big family, okay, five kids. And she was the general manager at an Ulta Beauty store. So she couldn't get away either. I was the only one of the three siblings who worked remote. So I could just grab my things and work from anywhere. Now, in both of those situations, my parents and my sister, you know, they didn't ask or say, hey, you need to come home. We have a family situation and we need you to do your part and help out. But in both instances, I felt like it was the right thing to do, really like the only thing to do. So I stepped up and I helped out. Now, did I feel that way because that's the kind of person I am, because I'm a kind and generous person who genuinely wants to help people? Or was it because all that, you know, about being the eldest daughter was somehow ingrained in me growing up? So, of course, I rose to the occasion. I was groomed to rise to the occasion. Or is it because people in my family said to themselves, well, she's single and she doesn't have kids, so of course she can do it. And while that was never expressly said, maybe it was implied enough that I somehow picked up on it and acquiesced to it. Maybe it's a combination of all three. I don't know. I don't quite know how I ended up in that spot being the caregiver and the household maid and the errand runner and the backup babysitter and the nearest ATM machine and a host of other roles and responsibilities that I have seemed to pick up in my family. But here is what I do know. Even though I've had my own life, spending time with my friends, traveling the world, you know, going to plays and concerts and comedy shows, you know, pursuing my passions and doing things that I love. I have also done this family thing all my life. I've risen to the occasion. I've stepped up. I've stepped in. I've helped out. I've canceled my plans. I've gone without. I've been the backup solution. I've given my time. I've given my money. I have put myself on the back burner of my own life when the family situation called for it. And over time, doing all that nibbled away at me, you know, like a small fish taking little nibbles of a piece of food. And perhaps because they were just little nibbles or infrequent nibbles, they didn't really bother me much at first. But somehow those nibbles either grew bigger and are more frequent and they started bothering me a lot. And so what I realized is that In being there for my family, I was losing my own self. I was losing my joy. I was losing my patience. I was losing my resources, you know, time, money, energy. I was losing my looks. Hell, I feel like I have aged 10 years in the past few years. And all of this was building until it actually came to a head this past weekend where my annoyance and frustration boiled over and I had a serious disagreement with a close family member. And during that disagreement, they said two things in particular that really resonated with me. They said, if I couldn't or didn't want to do the things that they asked of me, why didn't I just say so? That they would have found another way to get it done. 
And of course, in my mind, I'm like, then why the hell didn't you do that in the first place? Find another way. Why did you always come to me and ask me? The second thing they said was, I've changed. They said I've changed and that they don't like the person that I've become. And I knew where that was probably coming from. It was probably referring to my impatient attitude, my frustrated tone, my more stressed demeanor, etc. And I didn't disagree with this person on either point because they were right. Number one, I should have spoken up long before now about my growing feeling that I was being taken advantage of and taken for granted. That my family was just assuming, oh, Sanja can do it. She's not married. She doesn't have kids. She works remote from anywhere. She's available and she can do it. Oh, no, the hell I can't do it. And no, I'm not available for it. But I didn't say those things. I just continued to help my family when they asked or needed something of me, becoming more and more frustrated and resentful with every request. Number two, not speaking up and letting my family know how I felt about their constant request and expectations of me did change me. I had already recognized it and I myself didn't like the person that I was becoming. I was less patient. I was more stressed. I felt like no one understood my position or even really cared about my point of view. Hell, nobody was even asking the questions. They weren't even thinking about the impact on me or my life. There were always just more requests and more expectations based on what was undoubtedly the underlying assumption of, ask Sanja, she can do it. But what I've realized is that I can't do it anymore because helping them is hurting me. And I know a big reason why I did it, primarily because children have been involved, innocent, defenseless children who didn't ask to come here, who didn't ask for parents who can't seem to get their ish together. So I did what I could to step in and help compensate for some of those gaps and shortcomings. But as much as I love and care about these children in the family, they are not my children and thus not my responsibility. So let me get ready to wrap all this up with some key lessons that I want to share with you now. Should you find yourself in the same position of being the de facto person everyone comes to because they feel for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is that you're the eldest daughter and or you're a single and child free, that you have the availability and capacity to do it. Number one, you have to advocate for yourself. Open up your mouth and speak for yourself. One thing is absolutely true. The squeaky wheel is the one that gets the oil. If you don't share how you feel, you have no defense when someone says, well, you never said anything. Because let me tell you what my defense was. Well, they should know the impact of what they're asking. They should recognize the imposition they're placing on me. Girl, You are asking people to demonstrate common sense, and we already know that common sense is not that common, meaning everyone doesn't think like you and is not going to come to the same conclusions that you do. So you sitting there and waiting for them to get a clue and realize what they're doing to you is probably going to result in a big fat zero. They will not realize what they're doing to you or the position they're placing you in. Not if you don't open up your mouth, speak up for yourself and advocate on your behalf. Number two, set 
communicate and reinforce your boundaries. And no, it is not going to be easy. It's your family and you care about them. You know, your parents, your nieces and nephews, your siblings. I get it. But you are an individual with your own life and you are absolutely entitled to live it. Just because you made different life choices than them, which on the surface may seem like you have fewer responsibilities than them, does not make you the de facto go-to support person. I don't care if all you're doing is lying in your bed, eating Oreo cookies and watching Netflix. It is still your time. It is still your life. And you are entitled to rest, recovery and relaxation just like everybody else. But it is up to you to set those boundaries and guard your time, your energy, your money, your goals, your future, your life. It's just like in a relationship. A man will get away with whatever you allow him to get away with. It's the same with your loving family. They will get away with whatever you allow them to get away with. So it's up to you to change the dynamic and set the tone for a different way of engaging and interacting with them. It's up to you to decide the level of support that you can provide and what that looks like without becoming angry or frustrated, impatient or resentful, and without losing yourself in the process. Number three, find yourself again. If you've lost touch with yourself, now is the perfect time to choose to get back to yourself again. One of the things that I let get pushed to the back burner during the past few years of really being there for my family is my traveling. The pandemic absolutely affected it. But then post pandemic, it seemed there was one family crisis after another that all kept me grounded and closer to home. So in the midst of the growing discontent around what I perceived to be family members taking advantage of my kindness, my generosity, my perceived availability, etc., I didn't even have my favorite passion and stress reliever to fall back on to help relieve some of the building pressure. Not only that, but there was a deeper, larger sense that I just had lost touch with myself, that I wasn't me anymore because I wasn't doing the things that I loved, the things that helped to make me me. So next year is going to look different, girl. It's going to look different for me. I've got several trips already planned and some already booked and paid for. I don't care what is going on in the family, short of a major medical crisis or actual death. I don't care whose birthday or anniversary or what holiday it is or what special event it is. All I know is that I need to get the hell away for my own sanity, peace of mind and well-being. So I am doing just that. And whatever it is that you need to do to get back to you, I encourage you to do it right away, right now, girl. Do not wait because the thing about change is that it remains a desire, a dream until we actually take action to make it come to fruition, to make it tangible and real. You will keep talking about it and talking about it until you actually take the action and do something to change something. For me, that was first booking a Caribbean cruise because the idea of some relaxation with some sun and some water and just a slow, relaxed beach vibe, it's just so appealing to me right now. So that was one of the first things that I did. The first step will give you clarity, confidence and momentum that will lead to the next step. And then the next step is like a train leaving the station. It starts slowly at first, 
almost with a bit of hesitancy or uncertainty. But as it gets going, it picks up speed and momentum and seems to move toward its destination with more clarity and confidence. So whatever passion and joy you have lost, it's time to find it again. It's time to find you again. Number four, let people figure out their own lives. Stop assuming roles and taking on responsibilities that are not yours. Stop trying to provide all the solutions for every problem that ails your family. It is not your job to figure out other people's lives and to solve all their problems. Now, be careful that there's not some ego involved here, that some part of you doesn't actually like being the go-to person for everyone because it makes you feel needed. Or doing these things for others helps fill a gap you perceive because you're not married and don't have children. Also, be conscious of the fact that you may be enabling your family members, that by you always being the one who comes through for them, they don't actually build up the life skills or the character needed to begin to show up and come through for themselves. For example, they're hungry and they come to you for a fish and you give it to them every time instead of teaching them or directing them to where they can learn how to fish for themselves. So they can begin to catch their own fish when they're hungry. If you don't step back and allow your family members to figure some things out on their own, even if they fail multiple times, they will never learn what they need to learn so they can begin to change their life for the better. Do not be a hindrance to that key life process. Okay. Number five, ask for help. It might be a situation where you can no longer do it alone. You simply can't. For example, maybe you're caring for a sick or elderly parent. It's time to talk to your siblings or even your parents' siblings or someone else in the family about tag teaming on the support front. It's time to check out assisted living facilities. It's time to hire maybe a nurse or some other professional who can come in and help relieve some of the responsibilities of caring for your parent. Basically, it's time to look for some other options because what you used to do isn't working anymore. It's not working for you anymore. And that is reason enough for you to start seeking other options. You don't want to become resentful of your loved one. You don't want to lose yourself. You don't want to make your own self ill, something that actually I'm currently dealing with because I have eczema for the first time in my life. Like the first time in all these years, it popped up this year. And I have to believe that part of it has been stress related due to the familial situation. Now, if it's a burden, you feel like you have to shoulder, you know, for example, you're the only child and you're caring for your only remaining parent who is ill. That's understandable. But this isn't about nobility. There are no brownie points in heaven for killing yourself in the process of taking care of a sick parent. Get some help. Okay. All right. You know, I always try to wrap up an episode with a simple mindset shift or action item that embodies the spirit of the episode. But I just gave you five of those. So what I am going to do now is leave you with some closing thoughts. You're a good person and you deserve to live a joyful, peaceful life. Don't let the fact that you are in this situation, like me, where you have had enough of the way you've been treated by your family, the way you've been taken for granted by people who supposedly love you, cause you to feel guilty 
or backtrack from standing up for yourself and setting a different tone for your relationship with them going forward. The anger, the frustration, the resentment, the stress, whatever it is that you are feeling, it's a sign that you are not comfortable with the way things have been going down. It's a sign that you feel violated and that you feel your boundaries have been disrespected. Do not sleep on that or try to wave it away and then go back to the way things used to be. The things you are feeling are slowly killing you, not just your physical health and your mental and emotional well-being, but your heart in terms of your own goals, dreams and desires. The time, energy, money, and other resources that you spend catering to everyone else, being there for everyone else, doing for everyone else, all these things are costing you. Being there for others in the way that you have been is depleting you. It's tiring you out. It's aging you. And it's turning you into somebody you don't even recognize anymore. And if you don't put a stop to it now, the years are going to pass by and the things you have lost will only accumulate. The things you are feeling now will only continue to build. You can be a good daughter, even a good eldest daughter, a good sibling, a good aunt, etc. without giving up your own life. You can love others without taking on their burdens and responsibilities. You can help your family with proper boundaries in place so you don't lose yourself in the process. And you can do all this as a single child-free woman because you have a life and you are absolutely entitled to live it. Until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Still Worthy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. Share it with family and friends who would enjoy and benefit from these insightful and increasingly relevant conversations. Follow us on social media to connect with an amazing community of single, child-free women. And visit stillworthywomen.com to work with me, travel with me and other single, child-free women, and stay abreast of projects I'll be launching soon just for you. I hope today's topic encouraged you to view your lifestyle with a fresh, exciting, and empowering new perspective. And I can't wait to have you join me for the next episode. Until then, remember that your life choices are valid, your journey is beautiful, and your worth is immeasurable. Mm-hmm.